Letter of James. Turn your Bible on, open it up, whatever you prefer. It's towards the back of your Bible on the right side. And if you've gone to Revelation, you've gone too far. So then flip a few pages back. Also, if you're new to the Bible, you can open it up to the very front and it'll give you a page number of where the letter of James is found. So picking up from last week, we've been in the letter of James for seven weeks now. Uh, Last week was a really good message, I think, for all of us. God had delivered something very powerful that week. And it was basically how we relate to each other and to God. We were instructed to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Now, we applied this horizontally. That was part of the message last week, meaning how do we interact with one another? How do we interact with our loved ones, with our friends, with our coworkers, with our parents, with our children? Are we quick to speak? Fast to... Nope. Are we quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, or are we the opposite? Are we quick to give our opinion, slow to listen to anybody else, which really will result in very fast rise of anger? We don't want to live that way. So last week, here's a a few things we talked about. Here's an example. If you want to be heard, which we discovered many people in our life and in the world, we just want to be heard. We want to be heard and we want to be understood. I don't think there's anybody here that would say they don't want to be heard. So if you want to be heard, be someone who hears. Then be someone who hears. Ask good questions. Save the lecture. Start a dialogue. Now in terms of our vertical relationship with God, we we should attempt to live in a way when we interact with his word, his Bible, his written communication to us, uh, the truth about Jesus Christ contained in what we call the Bible. We should be quick to listen to what he says, slow to anger on what he says, and slow to give our opinion to what God has said. And so often we get caught up in the anger of God, and rather than listening to him, we, we tend to be a people who tell God what we think. We're very fast to do that. God, well, here's what I think based on what you just said. Yet we never give him the time to hear what he says. And so vertically in our relationship with God, we want to make sure we are quick to listen to what he says. Last week, James told us we are to be a people who are focused on getting rid of the filth and the wickedness. Two sort of dirty, strong words that we talked about last week. The filth and the wickedness that once defined us. And start living in humility and meekness. Humility. Humbling ourselves below the word of God. We don't stand on top of the word of God. We don't set it by us as an equal authority in our life. We are subjects under the word of God. It's very important as the church of God that we believe the word of God is our authority. It's, it's the word of God that holds the power of salvation. It's by God's grace that we have come to realize that the word of God has the power to save us, has the power to save anybody. All of those who would hum, humble themselves and come under the authority of the word of God That is where salvation is found. And so the word of God, we talked about last week, meaning the truth about salvation, about transformation, about becoming somebody new, and this only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So last week was a good week, okay? And the reason I'm recapping last week is because this is kind of like a part two, a part two of last week. The Bible never disappoints. We were encouraged and challenged, and I think we were all called to something more last week. I know I was. I know when, I, when everybody did everything wrong last week and I never messed up once, I was going to be really quick to tell them why they were all messed up. Anybody else like that? Anybody else want to admit that? Yep. I was like, man, I'm so perfect this week and all these people around me, what is wrong with them? 
So I needed it last week. So I had to slow myself down and realize that is not the case. I hope you took a new approach to your relationships. I hope you were quick to listen to people so they can be heard. And I hope you took a new approach to the word of God, the Bible. And I hope you will continue to grow in your appreciation for what that written word says. So today then, that's part one. Today then is like a part two of the quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger message. Because this week, James tells us not to become good listeners of what the word says, not just only to become listeners of what God teaches, but become a people who do what the word says. The Bible calls us doers of the word. That is our calling. Think of this message as like a, a classic situation where, where you, you say to yourself, I know what I should do. I know what I, I should do right now. I just, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> or I know what I should have done, but I, I didn't do what I should have done. I think if we were all honest, we'd say, yeah, there have been situations in our life where we actually said that. I know what I should have done. I just didn't do it. This is, this is what James is going to address this morning. Because James knows. Listen, people have always been the same, right? What we say at CityGate Church is throughout all of history, people have been the same. Today, we just have iPhones. That is literally the only difference, Okay. People problems that exist today existed way back when James wrote the letter to the early church. And he knows that people have a tendency to live inconsistently. He knows, James is fully aware, that we do not live in step with the word of God, although we claim we live in step with the word of God. It's called hypocrisy. James knows the tendency to live a hypocritical life. If you're here this morning and you realize you have not lived in step with God's word, let me tell you, you are in the right place. You are welcome here because everyone is welcome and no one is perfect. And if you were to survey the people around you this morning, I think everybody would give a resounding, yes, I fail at living in step with what God tells me to do. That's okay. I can admit to you today, standing before you, I have failed to live in step with what the word of God instructs me to do. I suspect we would all get a resounding, I have not lived the way God wanted me to. I desire, but I don't. I fall short. So let's, let's read James chapter 1, verses 22 through 27. We're going to read those verses this morning. If you're there, say, I'm there. there. Good. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, He is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Verse 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. You know, throughout my life, I, I've, had, I've struggled with back pain. You know, don't feel too sorry for me. It's my own fault. I slouch, okay? So 
I just struggle with back pain. And, and sometimes it's bearable. It's like sort of a consistent annoyance. But there have been times in my past where I've lifted something far heavier than I should have lifted. I think I was trying to press Sherry, picked up a ladder, didn't work out. But there are things that I have that I've done to my back that are my problem. Okay, so, so just to give you an idea, I struggle with back pain pretty much my whole adult life. One day I woke up and I said, I cannot live like this. Okay, can't do it. So I get a referral to a chiropractor and they take some scans of my back and they say, okay, here's, here's some things that are, that are not healthy that are going on. Instead of going to the route where you're getting shots and medication, let's try to figure some of this stuff out. So I go in and they, they tell me, your very lower back, you got this disc. It's always out of place. I mean, it's probably been there for a long time. So you know that feeling that you feel when you do this? Ah, yeah, I know that. Okay, that's why. That's what's happening. So here's what we're going to do. We have a series of times we're going to meet together. We're going to push your disc back in place, and then you're going to do a bunch of stretches to keep it there. Oh, fantastic. This is great. So they do the work. They push the disc back in place, and they send me home with a bunch of instructions. Now, I had to stretch all sorts of different stretches so that my back would stay aligned so I could sit up and lean forward, and, and there'd be no pain. So day one, right? You ever done this? Okay, some of you are like, I know what you're going for. Day one, I am on it, right? Stretching like a maniac, feeling good. I do like 30 minutes of it. I'm a new person. I'm like, wow, that person was actually true. I doubted them, but they know what they're talking about. Okay, so I'm stretching like crazy. I'm feeling good. I'm doing exactly what I've been instructed to do. Day two, still on fire for stretching. Wake up early. Start my day with stretching. That's a revelation, right? Set a timer on my phone to say, John, it's time to stretch. You got to stop what you're doing. You got to stretch. I do all those things that they told me to do. Day three, four, five, six, I am ready to go. Feeling like a new person. Week two, week three, week four, I have zero passion for stretching. I haven't done it in a week anyway. And I realized that because I had failed to do what's been instructed of me, I'm back in the same spot I was six months ago. I'll tell you that story because if I had been committed to doing what was inspected of me and instructed to me, I would have lived like a new man. I would have stood up straight and not slouched, and I would be able to sit on the floor and give my kids a bath without being in so much pain. But I didn't do it. I didn't stay committed to the instructions given to me. And I think that story helps us understand the challenge that's presented to us today. So let me put this message into a big idea for you. Here's a big idea. We can discover fulfillment through obedience. We can discover fulfillment through obedience. James says, be a people, be a church, be people who follow Jesus Christ and do what's instructed of you. Not just the people who listen to what is said about Jesus, but do what you are listening to. Because if there's no evidence of the doing, you are deceiving yourselves. You're lying to yourself. You have tricked yourself. It's like you look into a mirror and you know who you are and you're on the right path, but then you walk away and you forget everything you just saw. You even forget your own face. Let me put it this way. James is saying that those who believe in the word of God are to be graciously and powerfully transformed into a people who are living differently, into a people who are born again. The old life of sin and death has passed away. The things that once held us down and destroyed our lives, that's all gone with. And we're free to live our new life in Jesus because of our new identity in him. We can discover fulfillment through obedience. 
And I will stand right here in front of you today like I do every Sunday, and I will tell you I am a Christian, okay? That is good news for you because I'm teaching you the Bible, okay? I believe in what the Bible says. I love the Bible. Every day I'm so blessed to be able to open the Bible and read it, and you should be blessed too. I'm also a sinner saved by the grace of God because I didn't earn any of this. You haven't earned it. I haven't earned it. But because Jesus died, we now can live. That's the message of the Bible. But James warns us, if there's no evidence of this new life, I think the question needs to be asked of you, have you been deceived? I would say this, if you look at the letter of James and what people have said about this letter over the years, this may be the most popular portion of this entire letter. This may be the most popular portion of this entire letter, and for good reason. Because here's why. Nobody, and James already knows this, which is why he wrote it, nobody wants to live like a hypocrite. I don't think anybody wakes up and says, I'm going to live like a hypocrite today, and it's going to be amazing. I can't wait to deceive a whole bunch of people. Now, I I also don't think people are generally good. I think people are generally bad. But if not for once, do I think people like being labeled a hypocrite? I don't think that's true. I mean, if somebody were to call you a hypocrite, that may be the word that gets your fire going the hottest, isn't it? It's one of the worst things when people attack your character and say, you are a hypocrite. We don't like that. It's a big accusation. James knows that if he does not give a warning to this early church, they are in danger of living like hypocrites. And it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. These are people problems, okay? We don't want to live as a hypocrite. And you see, James is concerned that Christians, specifically, and I will talk to Christians, that he's, he's concerned that Christians will talk the talk, but they won't walk the walk. It's really what it comes down to. So I want you to hear me on this, that the world needs to see a people The world desperately needs to see a people live in a genuine relationship with God. The world needs that. We, by the power of God's spirit, are the light of the world. You need to know that. Your family and your friends, they don't need to see a perfect person. Get rid of that notion. They don't need to see you live a perfect life. But they need to see you in a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. Being perfect is not the issue. How you respond to things in this life is. So he says, if the word, right? uh, Think of the truth of God found in Jesus Christ. When I say the word, okay? It could be, I, I think if you were to read what people say about the word, it's the written word, it's your Bible, but it's also the truth of what that written word says. It's Jesus himself and everything that is written about Jesus. If the word, if the truth of God has been implanted into your heart, I believe that was last week, if it has taken root into your life because of your faith, This word demands a deeply rooted, widely expressed obedience. Deeply rooted and widely expressed obedience. Understanding this, James says, the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, that person being no hearer only, but who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. I love that part. It's like the promise there that says if you, if you actually just don't only listen to what the Bible says, but if you actually do it, the things that you will do will be blessed. You will be blessed in the things you go about in. You will be happy, blessed, in the way that life goes. 
Let's put it in some language we can maybe understand a little better. Anyone who looks into the law of liberty, okay? Law of liberty, uh, the, the law of liberty is the gospel, the good news that Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection in our place for our sin. That's the law of liberty. It is the act of Jesus which set us free so we can be saved from the coming judgment of God, which in all seriousness is what you should be most proud of, by the way. You should be most happy that you will not receive the coming judgment of God. That's the law of liberty. We're saved from the coming judgment of God and we are free to live in fullness of new life. Anyone who looks into that, anyone who sees that, anyone who is living in that power, for every heart, this truth has been implanted into and to the one, okay? And to the one who perseveres. This is a tough word. We talk about this a lot, don't we? And to the one who lives like they follow Jesus even when it's really tough and they don't feel like living like following Jesus. So for the one whose truth is implanted into their gut, into their heart, into their mind, and to the one who perseveres through the trials and through the temptations, to the one who desires to live like Jesus when you don't feel like living like Jesus, that person, to the ones who respond in the doing and the acting, the one who lives in step with the law of liberty, this person, that type of person, you have the opportunity to be blessed in what you do. You find fulfillment through obedience. I think many of us here today, we, we've gone maybe this week, even this morning, we've said, God, what do you want from me? There's situations that have led us to a point where we say, I don't, even, I don't even know anymore. I don't even know what you want from me anymore. I can read the Bible all I want, but I can't get out of the funk that I'm in. I don't know what you want from me anymore. We may have asked God, what is this life all about? And here's what we tend to do. We, we, when we have those thoughts, we don't persevere. And there's no judgment there. It's just a natural tendency to me. Like, we don't persevere. When we don't feel like living like Jesus, we tend to not live like Jesus. <laughs> and I'm calling to encourage you that it's possible to push through that and persevere and live like Jesus. But it's in those situations where we say, God, well, I don't know what you want from me. Most of the time, our tendency is to walk the other way and go find something that we will think will fulfill us. That's what we do as a people. Throughout the whole Bible, that's what God's people were doing. If you read all the Bible, you'll see a bunch of people loved by God, saved by him, and then they realize it and they go, ha, huh, this is amazing. And then the next day they walk away from him. And then he goes and chases them down. And he says, hey, remember, I'm your God. Okay, you can run all you want. I'm still here. I love you. I'll take you back. You gotta, you gotta ask for forgiveness. You gotta repent. You gotta be sorry. I'll take you back. And then the cycle continues and the cycle continues and the cycle continues. We attempt to find the fulfillment in other things when life is its hardest. We've tried to find fulfillment in the work that we do or the career that we pursue only to realize the type of work void of the reason why we're doing that work never provides a fulfillment we're looking for. We try to experience fulfillment based on happiness that we maybe need to experience. But when life doesn't bring the same level of happiness we assume we deserve, we run to the next hobby, we run to the next person, we even run to the next substance, thinking it will regain the level of happiness we need. Yet it never lasts. And then the cycle continues. We've tried to experience fulfillment through the complete freedom with how we live, okay? 
Like, what if there were just no rules based on me? Like, basically, God, I feel this way because if I never knew your rules, I could just live in complete freedom. I never knew I was failing. Have you ever heard that thought? Please don't make me be the only one. What if we just had complete freedom? What if we never realized that God expected certain things? Certainly that would be fine if we just got rid of all the religious stuff. I think we all realize that we, we, we have attempted to live that way, which we all have, so you are welcome in this place. We only realize that our way of living leads to our total destruction. Nothing in this world, I can say it again, nothing in this world will lead you to the fountain of fulfillment. It is only a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. And it is only in that relationship when you do what is asked of you in that relationship will your life, will you discover fulfillment. When we walk in step with the word of God, when we walk in step with the spirit of God, we walk in the only source of fulfillment, the only source of hope, the only source of joy. It is true. True hope, real hope is found in obedience of God. It's such, it's such a different thing than what we've been instructing, what we've been taught. Obedience, you mean you're going to do what somebody says you have to do? We hate that. Let's just be honest with ourselves. We don't like it. We actually don't even like setting standards for our own selves because we break 75% of them. Right? Won't we commit to something to go, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and we go, why did I say that anyway? I don't need to do that. True hope is found when we obey God and when life gets you down. When you feel like running away to find fulfillment somewhere else, I want you to hear this verse, 1 Corinthians 2.9. What no eye has seen nor ear has heard. I want to read that again. What no eye has seen nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. What no eye has seen nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. We attempt to be fulfilled other places, yet we realize if we walk in step with God's spirit, there are things that he has ready for us that we cannot even imagine. James echoes what his older brother taught while he walked the earth, Jesus, the brother of James. He said, happy is the person who hears the word of God and keeps the word of God. Happy is the person who hears the word of God and keeps the word of God. You see, sitting here this morning, Listening to the word of God is not enough. Some of you have played the religious game far too long. Some of us are new to this, so we don't know what the religious game is. Good, stay right there, okay? Because I've played the religious game far too long in my life at times. We must be drawn into action because of what we hear, because of what has changed us. James and Jesus agree the happy life is the obedient life. The fulfilled life is the obedient life. Another thing Jesus said was this, if you love me, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now we push back on this. I'm aware of that. There's some objection here because we don't like to feel as though we are not in ultimate control of the way we live. I think that's the majority, the foundation of the majority of our problems come because we take control away from God and desire to live differently than the way he's instructed us to. It's no different than when I tell my children what they can or cannot do. If you're a father, mother, maybe you're, you're, you have authority over somebody else. Maybe you're an employer, employee relationship. 
niece, I don't know, whatever it is, nephew, you got grandkids, I don't know. But isn't it funny that when you tell someone something to do, their first reaction is, I don't want to do it. You see, in the same way that I am called to, to put boundaries around my children, okay, because of their age, because I'm responsible for their maturing as adults, I have to put boundaries around my children. And the first thing they'll respond was, well, I don't, want, I don't want to stay within that boundary. I want to leave the boundary. I'm guilty of treating God in the same way as my five-year-old treats me. It is for my children's benefit that I, that I give them boundaries. It is for their health. It is for their life. It, it will, hopefully, based on what I think I'm doing right, will lead them down the right path. That is yet to be determined, so you guys can be gracious with me. But the same way my five-year-old treats me when I say, hey, you can't do that. I need you to do this. That's the same way we tend to treat God because, because although we've been saved from our sin, we are yet to be in the new heavens and new earth with Jesus in heaven, and we have to deal with the sin issue that is in our body. We're sinners. And James says you can act as religious as you want, but if you do not do what God has instructed you to do, your religion the thing that you say you believe most in is worthless. Worthless. We are told that true religion is a life of action. So verse 26, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit widows and orphans in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. James keeps beating the same drum, but now we get some specifics about what he's really talking about. He, it, it, we get some specifics about the, the doing part of our faith. James says, watch what you say. If you say you're a Christian, if you follow God, watch what you say. Now this, this does point back to last week a little bit, and let me tell you, I'm going to save some of that verse for later because it's a common theme in this letter. James will address the tongue and the things that come out of our mouth more than a few times. So let me give you some encouragement. If you're here this morning and you do not know what God wants you to do when you leave this room, let's say you've lived in a fog and you're like, I don't know what the first step is. I'm not really sure. I mean, they keep telling me to read my Bible and pray, but what else? Here's one good thing you can do. Watch what you say and how you say it. Take that one thing and try it. Focus on the things you are saying and then focus on how you are saying those things. And let me tell you, that will be enough work for you this week. Do you agree? That will be enough for us maybe for one week. If we all just left here and said, I'm going to watch what I say, I'm going to watch how I say it because the word of God says, the word of truth says that your religion is worthless. If you do not bridle your tongue, if you do not control the venom that can come out of your mouth, it's worthless. Let me add this. James is providing a very specific list of actions which would point to a true religion, a genuine desire to follow Jesus. But this list is, as he's mentioned, so you have, you have bridle the tongue, you have visit the, the orphans, and you have visit the widows. But let me tell you, uh, it's, it's not meant to be like an all-in-all all set of actions for Christians to do. Right? I can't have you leave here and say, well, listen, everything, I'm just going to be done with everything. I'm going to watch what I say how about this? I just won't talk. Check. Okay? I'll just check that off the list. But then I'll go visit some orphans and take care of some widows. I don't think that's what James is getting at. 
Now, certainly those are actions he's calling us to do. Those are actions he called the early church to do because of the helpless state that those people were in. But James, the things that we can do, a life of following Jesus can be summarized in these three simple actions. So the first part, bridle the tongue. We're going to come to that in the future, okay? I just gave you the one thing. Watch what you say and how you say it. The second one is to visit the orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Now, we can sit here again and go, well, that's, that's very specific. So let's ask James, why are you saying those things, James? Because maybe visiting orphans and widows seems a little bit um, out of place in our world today, don't you think? Don't we have systems for that? Don't we have homes for widows to live in and orphanages for kids to live in? Am I really called to do that specific thing? First question, first answer is yes. A church can be defined by the way they help the helpless, just so you're aware. Let me read something from the book of Psalms. Now, if you're new to the church thing, you may think it's Psalms. It's not, okay? It's Psalms. But you do you. The book of Psalms, 68 verse 5. Father of the fatherless and protector of the widow is God in his holy habitation. Father of the fatherless, protector of the widow is God in his holy habitation. The portion of this letter is very similar to what a man Isaiah wrote many years before James. In his book, Isaiah said that God would no longer recognize the worship of his people because of the way they were living. And here's what he wrote. Wash yourself, make yourselves clean, remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's cause. That's what God said to his people many years ago. And that's what James says to us today. Care for the widow and the orphan. I want you to think of this as a way, as a command, as a way of imitating God's concern for them. Right? He is a father to the fatherless. So check it out. True religion, the doing of your faith, the thing that you say you believe most in, the thing that characterizes your life, this doing should be directed at serving people who others may attempt to oppress or take advantage of. That's who we're to be serving. I like what one guy said, Douglas Moo. I read a lot of his books. Cool name, cooler books. Christians who religion is pure and faultless will imitate God by intervening to help the helpless. Christians who religion is pure and faultless will imitate God by intervening to help the helpless. Those who suffer, those who live in the inner city, those who are unemployed and penniless, those who are inadequately represented in government or in law, these are the people who should see the abundance of evidence of a Christian's religion. That's a high calling. That takes us so far out of our comfort zone, it's not even funny. These are the people who should see the abundant evidence of our Christian religion. So much work to be done. So what now? What do we do with that? What do we do because we just realized we've fallen way short of what James just told us to do? Now that we unpacked it, let's, let's give a recap of what we learned. Be a doer, not a hearer only. Got it? Say check. Right? No more hypocrisy. Be a doer, not a hearer. Those who are living within the law of liberty, those who are maturing in Jesus, who have been saved by his grace, will find fulfillment in that doing. Okay? You will find fulfillment in the obedience of your doing. And number three, true religion. Genuine followers of Jesus Christ will display the heart of God by watching what they say and serving the helpless. watching what they say, and serving the helpless. 
Now let's move towards some application. How would this look like in everyday life? If we were to leave here today, how, how do we show the world our true religion? There's plenty of things we can do. I'm going to stay within our church community here as we continue to grow and build and reach more people. I'm going to give you some application points. Number one, be committed to reading of the word of God and prayer. Please, please, please carve out time every single day to open your Bible and read it. Here's the danger. Everything within you will say you don't have time. Everything within you will say it's not worth it. Everything within you will show you another YouTube video for you to click on. All right? Everything within you will tell you to open up that app and search out what everybody else is doing in the world. I mean, it's fun for like 14 seconds, but let's be honest, it's a big waste of time. I like it. Everything within you will try to take you away from reading the word of God. That's how you know we fall short. That's why we're so excited that Jesus took our place. Amen? That's why we're so excited. Because we know our shortcomings. So be committed to reading the word of God and prayer. Just read the book of James. You can do that. If you're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to read. Read the book of James over and over again. 15 minutes a day, you can read the whole book. Read it seven times this week. Start there. And then go on to another one. Read the word of God and pray. Take time to be silent. Moms, dads, grandparents, people who take care of others, people who have a busy life, find quiet time anywhere you can find it. Lock yourself in the bathroom. That's what my wife does. Don't tell her. I said that. I mean, I think she does it, right? I don't know yet. Find some quiet time. Friends, let me tell you, you will always have time to do the things you want to do. Don't say you don't have time because we always have time to do the things we want to do. Does that make sense? We always make time for that. Let me tell you, I always make time to eat. Never miss that. Never miss a meal. We always have time to do the things we want to do. So make the time. It'll be hard. It'll be tough. If it's new for you, it's going to be a new routine to your life. Make the time. I want you to know the Jesus that saved you. I don't want you to live your life and say, Jesus saved me, but never get to know who he was or what he said or what he expects. I want you to know the God who saved you. There's a lot of joy in that. There's a lot of joy in that. And also I will tell you that that the obedience that we experience is by God's grace anyways, isn't it? Because the Bible says that when when Jesus would come, there'd be a new spirit put within us, that that our old heart would be taken away and our new heart would be given to us. So even when you obey, can we just praise God for that? right? That's what we need to do. There's a grace that you experience in your obedience because when you feel like you won't obey, even sitting here today, some of you are like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm really, really nervous. Walk out, rest in God's grace, and find obedience in that. Even our obedience, we have to give credit back to God. Number two, it's a big one. Give to the mission of God. Give your time to the mission of God. Give your talent to the mission of of God. Give your energy to the mission of God and give your money to the mission of God. I cannot be more proud of our young church when attempting to live in this way. Now, I don't think we've given a lot of time to help the helpless. I don't think we've given a lot of our time, our energy as a church. Quite frankly, as the leadership of the church, we haven't provided many opportunities to go and help the helpless. Now, please don't wait for us. Please go and do it. We haven't given a lot of time to help the helpless. We, we've fallen short in this area as a young church. We launched almost two years ago. And I can't even believe it's been two years. Can anybody believe it's been almost two years since we've had our first service here? It's crazy. 
That's not an excuse. Just telling you, time moves fast. So you got to be very committed to doing these things. Give to the mission of God. Give your whole self to the mission of God. But we will attempt to live in this way. We will attempt to get better and living in accordance with what James tells us to do. We will not be perfect, but we will get better. Let me tell you what we have done so we can just rejoice and praise God for a few minutes. You want to do that? Let's look back on what we've done. Earlier this year, our church who still, by the way, we still receive um, up to $1,800 from people outside of our church just so we can operate every month. People who will never show up here. Churches who just give us money, grants that we've gotten so we can survive. We gave $3,800 towards the building of a new women's and children's shelter for the gospel mission downtown. We said, we'll live on 51 weeks worth of money. We won't live on 52. We trust God with where we're going. Amen? That's going to be an amazing thing for our city. I'm so proud of the money we raised. So thank you, thank you, thank you for doing that. Here's another stat. Besides that, and I did an approximate number. There are people in this room who could tell you probably exactly. Since day one as a public church, since September 2016, this church has given approximately $6,500 to people who need financial assistance right here within our community and our church family. That's a huge part of who we want to be. That's a huge part of who we want to be. We passed out nearly 100 blessing bags this past fall and winter, and we'll do it again. I know, winter's coming. Sorry, I had to say it. We'll do it again, where we were going to supply you with things to keep in your car so when you pass someone on the corner, you can throw it to them. There's socks, there's gloves, there's chapstick, and a toothbrush. Why those four things? I don't know, because that's what I think I would want. A hundred of those were passed out. We helped a young family get on their feet so they can make it down to South Carolina, where they now live with their two young daughters, both employed, attending a local church, both in good health. And they sat right here in the third row. And they said, no one, no one has done for us what this church has done for us. That's what they said. It's crazy. It's such a joy to be on mission for God. It's a huge joy. So I want you to give your whole life to this. So if you have a job and you're like, man, I got a job, right? I got a job and I got a family. Like, we all have a second job, (laughs) When you become a Christian, you have an avocation. You have a second thing to do. Have you given your time to this church? Have you given your money to this church? Listen, I can talk about money all the time, and we should be because it's a big God of security in our generation. We think if we have enough money, everything in life will be fine. That is a lie. If you have not committed financially to Citygate Church and you are yet to feel like you want to, I would ask you, please do that. You can give on our website. You can give physically every service. Because these are the things that we have to say, are we living in accordance with what we say we believe? Do I give my time to this church? When they need people to serve, when they need things to be done, am I the one willing and volunteering and maybe sacrificing something I wanted to do for something I know that will have eternal reward for somebody else's life? Listen, we are always about the people who are not here yet, right? We're always about the people who are not here yet. Because there's plenty of people outside of these walls on Sunday mornings who have yet to hear the life-transforming message of the gospel. Number three. Number three. Sign up to serve on Sunday mornings. This is a very specific one, right? Sign up to serve. The larger we grow, the more we need to do. The more we need to do, the more people we need. The more people we have, the more people we can reach. 
I know it's a lot of emotional and physical investment. I get that. One of the most valuable things in your life, and this is, by the way, is not your assets. It's really your emotional time. It's your energy. So you do need to manage that in life. Let me just throw that out there. It's not even part of the message. But you do need to manage your emotional energy. It's one of the most valuable things you have. But let me tell you, sign up to serve on Sunday mornings. Because here's the idea. We do not have volunteers at this church. We have servant leaders. This is our identity. We have people who serve, who give their lives for others. Life's not about what you can get out of it. It's all about what you can give others. If you're too big to serve, you're too small to lead, just so you know. If you are too big to serve, you are too small, too small to lead. Jesus said, the greatest among you are those who serve others. If you want to lead, you got to serve. I'm so thankful for everyone who, who gets a schedule, who keeps that schedule, and who shows up so people can meet Jesus, right? Learn to serve. God, God is going to do a great work through our church. He already has, and he will continue to do it. And I invite you to be a part of it because it's in those three steps that you can actually say, I'm, I'm on the path, I'm on the path of obeying what, what I believe I say, or what, I, what my heart believes is true, that I will work for Jesus. And so I'm going to be part of a community who's going to help the helpless in other ways this year. I'm going to be part of a community who pools their money so that we can reach more people with the gospel. I'm going to be part of a community where we all use our talents so people would walk in on a Sunday morning and go, wow, I have never known church could be like this. I cannot wait to come back next week. Isn't that the goal? I want you to sign up to be a part of what we're doing. I want you to serve other people. Here's where I'll end. Here's where I'll end. We follow a man. We follow a guy who, although was equal with God, Jesus is God in the flesh, who, although he was equal with God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be held on to. But he willingly, he willingly lowered himself to the status of a servant. And then he was so obedient to God, even to the point of death and even death on a cross. That's who we follow. So if we are not following that trajectory in our life, is our religion worth it? It's not. This is our God. And may we as a church, and as you and as an individual, and may we as a church collectively mature in this way. Why? So our community may know who our God is. Amen? Let me pray.